We have officially passed the housing market peak and real estate prices are starting to drop. The peak was officially May, June here of 2022 and the trough was way back in 2011. So this real estate cycle, we've been on an upward trend for over 11 years. What a great run it's been. So how is this going to impact you as a real estate investor? What adjustments might you need to make? And what's gonna happen next? Well, I'm gonna share that and plenty more here in this video. First, the real estate market cycle. We know this is how it behaves because we can look at historical data. Hindsight's 2020, and it typically takes this shape. And if you connect more than one real estate cycle together, this is what it ends up looking like. And so as you can see, the trend is always ultimately upward, but we do have these peaks and these troughs. Now, just because we know that this is how it behaves in hindsight, doesn't necessarily give us a crystal ball completely on what's going to happen in the near future. Because I'm sure that's a big question on your mind right now. Is this going to continue to uh, drop significantly? And uh, depending on who you're listening to, there's plenty of doomsdayers right now. Is it going to somewhat level off? Are we? Is it a tiny trough and we're already about to go back up again? So this is so much more difficult to determine, and it's for three reasons. The first reason is we don't actually know the distance or the length of time for us to go from a trough to a peak. We, we know right now that the trough was 2011 for the most recent market cycle, and we know that the peak is, is May, June of 2022, because we can look at the stats and you can, you can tell from your own marketplace, you can see when prices started dropping. So we don't know if the next cycle is 11 years, four years, seven years, we don't know. The next thing we don't know is we don't know how significant the cycle is going to be, how high those, those prices are going to be, or, or how, how significant the trough is going to be. And so some have argued with me on this, on this point, and I'll bring them to the subject of 2019. Look, in 2019, there was a lot of big data, a lot of AI, there was a lot of intelligence pointing to the idea that real estate, uh, the market, was starting to peak. Interest rates had started to creep up, um, and they had all kinds of analytical data to prove their argument. So there were plenty of people that were going to get on the sidelines and not continue with real estate investing until the prices dropped. Well, what happened that no one could have predicted? That's right, the pandemic. And what happened as a result of the pandemic? Well, real estate prices appreciated more significantly, more rapidly than in the history of American real estate. And this is not drawn to scale because to scale, I mean, it really just shot up. And so if you got out of the real estate market in 2019, you missed the big one. So people often ask me, well, Phil, what, do you just get out of the real estate market when you know things are starting to slow down? What do you do? Oh, I, I'm just as active all the time. No matter where I am on the real estate market cycle, I'm always incredibly active. And that is doing two basic things. Either I'm doing short-term deals or I'm doing long-term deals. My short-term deals, I'm getting in and out. My long-term deals, those are my trophy rental assets. Those are the ones I just continue to acquire and acquire and acquire. So I'm not timing the market, neither should you, because it's too difficult to predict the future. Plus, there's another reason too. It's not just that we don't know these two basic values. 
We also have a completely different universe depending on the market, depending on the price point. You may have seen my video several months ago on the real estate market update where I talked about the idea that very affordable housing is going to remain strong and probably won't necessarily peak, whereas those more uh, uh, higher price points above the median where you've got a whole lot of builders still building, you have a lot of um, properties going to hit the market but you don't have many buyers, that they might experience a significant trough, which they are. And so there's this word we all can't stand to hear, it depends, depends. And it does depend. This cycle is completely different depending on the market you're in and the price point you're in. So since it's so difficult to predict the future, what we do is this. We look at where we are in the curve. And we knew for a long time we were along this line. We just didn't know when it was necessarily peaking. And we operate based on where we are on the curve, but we stay in the game. Because we know that we know that it's very difficult to forecast. But we also know that if we're not in the game, we may miss things like, like what happened in 2020, 2021, and the, half, uh, the first half of 2022. All right, so that's where our attention now turns. Where, what do we do differently because we're here than if we were here? Since we know that we're here in the real estate market cycle, here's what you need to do potentially differently than you have been to make the most of this situation. Number one, no lengthy major rehabs. You already probably know my position on the subject of major rehabs and how it's very difficult for most people to be able to pull those off. There's so many different risk factors that are so hard to predict. And for many people, it's better just to flip those to someone else. And uh, you've often heard my phrase, a quick nickel beats a slow dime. The problem is it usually isn't a slow dime, it's a slow nickel. So you're better off having flipped that a lot faster. Major rehabs are going to be those deals that need permits, and maybe more than one permit. And you have different trades coming in. You have a whole lot being done that could take a very long period of time. The reason why you have to be so careful of these right now, and I know it's obviously careful of many times, is that we have one major X factor that doesn't care about you and certainly doesn't care about the real estate cycle. They're called the local government. The local government that issues those permits, the building inspectors that look at the progress, the ones that find new problems and add new issues to your situation, they don't care about your success. In fact, many of them probably would love for you to fail because they're jealous of all the work you've done. I know there are a few good local government officials out there, but it's the few, not the majority. Instead, what happens is they can slow you up to the point where you really, you're just, your hands are tied and there's nothing you can do. So don't put yourself in that situation. Avoid the situation where local governments could completely ruin your deal by keeping you locked up in that deal for months, if not a year. We had a recent, um, one of my people took on a rehab a little bit too bigger than he should have, but he wanted to expand his horizon, he told me. And it ended up taking him about 12 months. Now, thankfully, he sold it in May. He did sell it at the peak. But why did it take 12 months? It's because the city to which the deal was located in made his life miserable. It took him four months to get the utilities turned on because of these ridiculous rules that he had to go through because he brought the property in an LLC. He had to set up a business license and a this and a that. And he had to go to these meetings and these hearings. It was unbelievable. You've got to be very careful with bigger rehab projects. 
better to get in and get out on short-term deals. And if some have asked me this question, Phil, what if what if all these investors in America watch your videos and I won't have anybody to flip it to? Thankfully, not everybody watches my videos that is in the marketplace, especially what I call the sucker investor buyers. They don't educate themselves and they're the ones that end up paying too much. So rule number one, no lengthy rehabs. Rule number two, put more weight on active pending comps than closed comps when you're evaluating a deal. I put together a training many years ago, one of my favorite I've ever created, estimating final sales price, where in that video I argue that it's far more important to be able to estimate final sales price than it is to simply appraise a property, to look at some closed comps and determine the value or the ARV, the after repaired value. That's really not the, the focus of a real estate investor. What we care about when we're getting in and getting out on the short-term side is what will it sell for? What's the final sales price when that property is put up for sale, either as is or after you fix it up? So the final sales price is a different determination than simply looking at closed comps. It does include closed comps, but what I'm saying here is if you're trying to evaluate a deal right now, put more weight more authority on the active listings and the pending listings in your marketplace because in many instances you'll see the actives are lower than the closed. Now that creates its own conflict when you communicate with the seller because the seller is thinking a bit in hindsight. A lot of sellers right now think that we're still in May of 2022. So you have to show them in many cases this evidence to say you're wrong. A house may have sold for, for that amount in May, but it's not selling for that right now. In fact, prices are dropping. We use that as a negotiating tool. And that is, we tell the sellers, look, this is where things are going right now. You're, you're going to make a mistake if you sit on this house and try to get that final big number you want. You need to sell this and sell this fast. And that's true. That's good advice. Uh, but it helps both of us. It, hel it helps both the seller and it helps you. So you're able to get a deal and you can get in and you can get out. So put more weight on active and pending comps when you are trying to determine final sales price. Rule number three is that you need a margin of safety, meaning you build in a little bit of a safety cushion in any deal you're putting together so that you are prepared in case there is a drop between the time you, you lock it in to the time you get it closed. Now, margin of safety is not always a lower price. Obviously, it can be and it oftentimes is but it also could be the terms, the creative terms that you structure, whether it's subject to or a combination of subject to and maybe a owner finance second. And the lower the down payment, the better as far as safety, less money you put into the deal, uh, much safer for you. So margin of safety can mean several different versions of safety, but it's the concept that you've got to give yourself a cushion right now. Because again, we have to prepare for the worst that maybe it is going to drop in the, in the 20 or 30 or 40 days that you have the deal, but you want to compress that time frame as quickly as you can to get in and get out. There's still a lot of money being made right now. Our people are making a ton of money. I actually prefer these circumstances because I feel like a lot of the competitors run away and, and that leaves the market more open for us. That happened in the early part of 2020 when the pandemic hit. Everybody disappeared from the market. And we just went and did a bunch of deals. I'll never forget, I, I've never had so much hard money business in my entire life because I'm also a hard money lender to my apprentices. And all of a sudden, I had every hard money deal I could ever want because every other hard money lender shut down in March of 2020. And I was like, where are they going? 
the market's only going to get better. So build in your margin of safety, but don't be in a position where you just don't do deals because you're, quote, worried about the future. You make these three adjustments and you're going to be just fine. You can make a ton of money right now. So be excited and you'll have less competition. As you can tell, this is not my first rodeo. I've been through troughs. I've been through peaks. And uh, there's ways to make a lot of money at each and every part of the real estate market cycle. Obviously, this depends greatly on your area. But the great news is there's always plenty of opportunity. If you want to learn more about how we do what we do, my book, How to Be a Real Estate Investor, I give it away for free here in these videos. Make sure you grab a copy of that. And also, if you're looking for someone or a team of people to help you navigate through these frothy waters so that you can make a ton of money right now, consider my apprentice program where my team and I, we mentor, we guide, we train, we coach, we turn our people into first-class money-making, market-leading machines. And we've done it for so many people. Many of the leading real estate investors in North America got their start with me. You can too. We have a few openings right now. All right, so apply to that. And if you want to learn more about what I referred to as the estimated final sales price, check out that video right there. Thanks so much for watching. I'll see you in the next video.